0: Would you like to hear the latest Mountain Mysteries episodes before anyone else? Then become a Patreon family member. We've revamped the Patreon to only have two tiers. Get early access with a $3 monthly pledge and get the episodes at least four days early. Or pick the $5 monthly tier and get the same early access plus gear from the Mountain Mysteries like shirts, stickers, cups, and more, plus our monthly newsletter that will tell you what's coming up ahead of time concerning episodes and promotions. And you'll be supporting an independent creator that loves to bring you the content of true crime and paranormal happenings all over this world. Just look in the show notes and click Become a Patron, and your access will be instant. Remember to include your mailing address to receive your stuff from the Mountain Mysteries. And as always, stay mysterious. A production of Sloan Studios. The following may contain strong language and deals with adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Three claw marks came right through the shirt that he was wearing. The blood came right through the T-shirt that he had on. And that's when we were brought in on the case with an Episcopal priest. Well, every one of us have heard those rumors about the house down the street that's haunted. Haunted. Maybe it has a tragic past filled with death and pain. Maybe it's almost as old as time itself, or maybe the house was built on cursed earth. Maybe someone went mad and claimed the devil made them kill their family, or maybe it was just a bad seed from the start. Oh, but the houses aren't the only things that can be haunted. It's not just places, but also objects and even people as well, from the notorious doll Annabelle to Arnie Johnson. It's quite clear that structures of wood and stone aren't the only things in this life that can engage a morbid and mysterious curiosity, but it can also be things, and people as well. These are The Mountain Mysteries, episode number 49, All That Was, Is, A Collection of Haunted Places, Things, and People, Part 2. The last to fall, I won't shed a tear for them to see. I won't have your name to call, I will be the last to fall. Over 24% of the 1.9 billion square acres in America alone. The mountains that so many people call home also play host to some of the most staggering mysteries in the world. The missing. And she said, I knew I wasn't there anymore. The murdered. All my emotions just went blank, just like, just blank. And I still live with that today. I think about that so much the days he was in that water. Strange creatures. Whatever it was, that was standing up. I'm out here looking through the window now and I don't see anything. I don't want to go outside. I mean, it was a, uh, nope, we need to get out of town. Unexplained lights and sightings. It does not look like an airplane. Okay. They come together and then they separate and they just keep doing this all the time. These stories may be strange. They may be sad. They may be odd but they are mysterious. These are the Mountain Mysteries, and now your host, Chris Sloan. The land down under is known for its beautiful scenery, friendly people and legends and lore. Monte Cristo Homestead is a haunted mansion in the New South Wales state of Australia. The mansion is popular as one of the most haunted places in the world because of the haunted stories related to Mrs. Crawley. The erstwhile owner never came out of the house for some 23 years after her husband died, and since she has passed, it's believed that her ghost has been haunting her room. People have claimed to witness her bodiless spirit in the window, Strange voices, flickering lights, and the floating phantom in the corridor. A lot of reports of accidents and murders in the mansion have also been there that took place in the past. Monte Cristo Homestead in New South Wales certainly makes the list of the most haunted. For our next tribute, we'll stay in Australia and make a slight travel to the Aradale Lunatic Asylum in Victoria. It's the largest abandoned mental hospital in the land down under. It opened in 1867. This 60 building complex housed some of the worst lunatics of the British Empire. Some of the stories of a ghost called Nurse Carrie have made it a very popular entry from Australia in the list of the most haunted places in the world. The ghost is believed to haunt the women's wing. Another popular tale is of the ghost of old Margaret, one of the many patients who were forced to leave the asylum when it was shut down in the 1990s. Some of the reports talk of spirits, cries, screams, and that inevitable feeling that one gets when they enter, the feeling of someone watching them. It's enough to make the largest skeptics rethink. Highgate Cemetery in England was established in 1839. This particular location in North London is one of the most haunted places in the world. The final resting place of over 170,000 people has been the site of a lot of different supernatural reports. But, it's the tale of a seven-foot-tall phantom, believed to be the Highgate Vampire. That has it all, including hypnotic red eyes and a long black coat. The vampire is believed to cause sudden drops in temperature, time freeze, and more. The story of the vampire gained significant popularity when a badly charred body of a woman was found decapitated. Oh, but come on, vampires? Hard to imagine that in this day and age. But the finding of the headless body certainly lends some credence that something without explanation took place. One of the most haunted places in the world, the Tower of London, England. It's a popular tourist spot by day and a terror at night. Several princes and others have been executed in the tower itself that dates back to 1078 Anno Domini. The local tower guards, a.k.a. Beef Eaters, well, they've reported seeing their headless ghosts of Lady Jane Grey, Anne Boylan, and the two princes who murdered their uncle, Richard III, in 1483. To this day, people cite unexplained apparitions and get the coldest of chills and make their way out quicker than they ever came in. The Mark King's Close was a series of underground streets and tunnels in Edinburgh that led to several homes and business houses in the 16th and 17th centuries. When a plague broke out in 1645, the area was abandoned. Currently a part of the city tours, the close has been in the news for sightings of ghosts of an elderly lady, a woman in black, and a little girl that the locals call Young Annie. These paranormal sightings have made the Marks King close one of the most taunted places in the world. And we cannot talk about Scotland and hauntings unless we mention the iconic Edinburgh Castle in Scotland. This heritage castle is known to sit on the grounds dating back to the Iron Age. In addition to being a popular tourist destination during daylight hours, the castle is the home to a spectral dog, a headless drummer, and a phantom piper. During a 10-hour scientific survey of the castle in 2001, Several volunteers and scientists reported ghost sightings. Ever since, people have started taking the Edinburgh Castle seriously as one of the most haunted places on the Earth. The Paris Catacombs in France. Well, what needs to be said? The very appearance of these spider-webbing tunnels beneath the French capital can scare the hell out of you. Though the catacombs were not meant to house human remains, many remains were laid in artistic arrangements in the tunnels due to the overcrowded cemeteries in the 18th century. In addition to reports of people witnessing apparitions in these catacombs, a lot of people have reportedly disappeared altogether within those tunnels. In Mexico, there's a special little place called the Island of Dolls. And this is on a level of creepy that even the most seasoned paranormal investigator or enthusiast would take note of. The artificial island of dolls is one of the most haunted locations across the globe. You see, this legend talks of a girl who died there after drowning in a Mexican canal. When Julian Barrera moved to this island, he was haunted by the spirit of that girl. So, to please her spirit, he hung several dolls all over and across the island. Well, after a while, Julian told his nephew that the girl wanted him to join her as a playmate in the afterlife. It wasn't long after that his body was found in the canal at the very exact same spot that the girl was found in. Visitors to this island have reported that the eyes of the dolls follow them. And they've even reported hearing voices of whispers and laughing. From Mexico to Canada There's a place in Ontario called Screaming Tunnel It's located beneath the railroad track from Toronto to New York via Niagara Falls The legend talks of the death of a young girl about 100 years ago when her farmhouse which was located at the south entrance of the tunnel caught fire The girl that was burning in that fire ran towards the tunnel in search of help but died instead Ever since If anyone lights a fire inside the tunnel, the screams of the girl are heard, and the fire dies out. From Canada, we head south to the United States of America, the Myrtle Plantation. There's no doubt about it, it's one of the scariest places in the world. Myrtle's plantation also has a very disturbing story. It's believed that the owner of the place had mistreated one of his slave girls. Then the slave girl, identified as Chloe, poisoned his whole family. In order to take revenge, he killed her and threw her body nearby in a, well, a not so good situation. Since the ghost of Chloe has been haunting the house, it's believed that she disturbs the visitors in that house. You could quite possibly make an argument that it is the most haunted house in the world. Not too far away lies the LaLaurie Mansion in Louisiana. Marie Delphine McCarty, known as Madame LaLaurie, was a New Orleans socialite who took the lives of the slaves in her household. While her house is a landmark in the French Quarter, it does in fact have a quite naughty history. Some say she kept her cook chained to the kitchen stove and beat her daughter's, when they tried to feed the slaves. People say slaves that were taken to the uppermost room never came back. Well, not breathing anyway. Some say that people were found in her home bound in restrictive postures and wearing spiked iron collars. Oh, and she buried bodies around her mansion, including that of a child. Very creepy. We stay south in the USA for the Crescent Hotel in Arkansas, in Eureka Springs specifically. It's been called the country's most haunted hotel. It was built in 1886 as a resort for the rich and famous, but it soon became neglected. Until 1908 when it became the Crescent College and Conservatory for Young Women. But over the years, it's also served as a junior college, a summer hotel, and a hospital-slash-health resort. Run by a man with no medical experience In 1967 it almost burned to the ground But now it's on the National Register of Historic Places Due to all of these changes and years and uses This has been dubbed the place where guests check out but never leave Union Cemetery is in eastern Connecticut And it dates back to the 1700s As one of the most haunted cemeteries in the nation It is home to the White Lady A ghost that people have reportedly seen, wearing what appears to be a white nightgown or wedding dress. Ed and Lorraine Warren, the real-life couple portrayed in the Conjuring movies, even wrote a book about this place. And Ed, well Ed said that he captured video evidence of a ghost on the grounds. Lizzie Borden House is, of course, the site of Lizzie Borden's infamous story of taking an axe to her parents, located in Massachusetts. It was owned by the family from 1874 to 1892. But today, people can stay and sleep and even eat there. Since 1996, this house has been a bed and breakfast thanks to Martha McGinn, the woman who inherited the house from her grandparents who bought it in 1948. And believe it or not, the room where Lizzie's stepmother, Abby Borden, was found is now the room that most people want to stay in when visiting. Haunted people? Oh, it's a real thing. And to say that it's terrifying is an understatement. Learn more after this. Did an unidentified flying object actually have a collision with a CSX railroad train? Well, if you'd like to find out. Download the Mountain Mysteries podcast free on your favorite device and listen to the stories that have affected our region. April Pennington, Mamie Thurman, The Mothman, and Octavia Hatcher. All available on Apple, Spotify, Audible, and where podcasts are found. Also visit us on the themountainmysteriespodcast.com. Download the Mountain Mysteries Podcast on your favorite listening device free right now to hear episodes featuring Lorraine Warren and hear episodes about crimes and mysteries in our own backyard and more. You can also learn more by visiting the website at themountainmysteriespodcast.com. Get the chills and stay mysterious. Available on Apple, Spotify, Audible, and where podcasts are found. According to his own book, Bob Cranmer, a former Allegheny County Commissioner in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, claims that he and his family lived in a house haunted by a demon for 18 years. An exorcism is said to have been performed that allegedly drove the demon out in 2006. Mr. Cranmer claims that he watched helplessly over the period of years as blood dripped from the walls of his home and invisible hands pushed and struck his loved ones. When these attacks reached their boiling point, sometime between 2005 and six, Cranmer finally contacted the Catholic Diocese of Pittsburgh, which sent a priest to perform an exorcism on the house. As the story goes, Cranmer's home in the Pittsburgh suburb of Brentwood was built upon rotten soil. In the 1700s, Native Americans viciously murdered European settlers in the area. Later, during the house's construction, one of the workers cursed the land. However, true evil did not come into existence until Dr. James C. Mahon Sr. arrived on the scene. Cranmer believes that Dr. Mahon, a former tenant in the home, was an alcoholic abortionist who performed countless numbers of illegal operations. Now These activities supposedly brought forth a demon into the world, a demon that mostly manifested as a black, foggy cloud. Now, unlike most demonic hauntings, Cranmer actually knows the name of this demon. He believes that it's Moloch, the Canaanite god mentioned in the Old Testament. He believes that this demon possessed his house because Mahon, and the Malik family, the home's previous owners, were Malik's worshippers. Given that Malik supposedly received child sacrifices, the fact that Dr. Mahon was an abortionist, well, that just makes things seem a little more frightening. In 2014, Fox 43, a local Fox affiliate in central Pennsylvania, traveled to the home of Deanna Simpson in Hanover. The reporters were there because Simpson claimed that her home had been haunted for years by the presence of a non-human entity. Nick Petrillo, a cameraman for the Fox 43 team, apparently felt a burning sensation in his hand while he was filming at the Simpson house. When Petrillo told Simpson about his inexplicable pain, She responded by pouring holy water on the afflicted area. The subject of an episode of the Travel Channel's TV show, The Dead Files, Simpson claims that a demon has taken possession of her home. The majority are bad, dark forces, unhuman. Just a couple minutes into the interview, our photojournalist, Nick, felt his wrist burning. Are you okay? Did you get scratched? He was behind the camera, but Simpson knew what had happened right away. Oh my gosh. He'd been scratched. Simpson says it's happened to her, her husband, and friends many times before. You know why? Because you're telling the story. Because you're putting it out there. Because they don't want, that is their, I'm just telling you right now, that is their way of a warning. In addition to five other ghosts, the demon likes to mentally and physically torture Deanna and her husband Tom. Well, for the most part, the demon only appears as a large black shadow. Simpson may or may not have captured that shadow on film. As for why her house is haunted? Well, Simpson points to an unspecific series of gruesome deaths that occurred on the property. The Smurl Haunting is famous in and of itself. Between 1974 and 1989, the Smurl family of West Pittston, Pennsylvania, was subjected to endless amounts of paranormal phenomena. Jack and Janet Smurl and their four kids claimed that their TV once burst into flames. Apparently, commodes would flush on their own, and various electronics throughout the house would stop working for no reason. But at night? ho <laughs> ho The family would hear footsteps and smell terrible odors, and neither having an identifiable source. But maybe more frightening than that, claw marks, or what appeared to be claw marks, began appearing in the family's bathroom. Before long, full-bodied apparitions appeared above beds, and in 1985, a ghoul that the family nicknamed Old Hag was seen walking through walls. On other occasions, Old Hag or some other demon sexually assaulted both Jack and Janet. And that year, some 50 exorcisms were performed on the house. But the assaults didn't stop until the Smurl family moved in 1989. Kind of like a certain haunting in Amityville, New York, skeptics raised an eyebrow at the fact that the demonic activity seemed to cease once the Smurl family moved. The involvement of paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren in the case was cause for further skepticism. In 1991, the Smorella case became a made-for-TV movie that was called The Haunted. The Bean Family. Well, they were typical all-American people. During the 1970s, they lived in Glen Burnie, Maryland, which is a suburb of Baltimore. In particular, the family lived in a ranch-style home in a community called Herondale. Now, according to Bill Bean, author of Dark Force, the family's home has always seemed ominous and had a negative energy. As Bill recounts, the family home was possessed by a demon. This entity liked to wrap its cold hands around family members and simulate murdering them. In one instance, the demon transformed itself into a human in a black suit, but it gave itself away because of its all-black eyes. However, ultimately, the Bean family was forced to flee their home in the 1980s. Now, as with most demonic hauntings, Bill Bean doesn't have an answer for why his family's house was haunted, although Dark Force does mention the possibility of of extraterrestrial contact. However, he does claim to still have proof in the form of strange pictures that were taken while the family still lived in Herondale. The home's subsequent owners? Well, they've claimed that their home was anything but strange. In 1970... Anne and Roger Brock moved their family into a four bedroom home at 2220 North Armstrong Street in Kokomo, Indiana. The house only cost $5,000, a real steal for a young couple with three daughters. However, once shielded within the house's walls, the Brock family began experiencing some truly disturbing events. For years, daughters Lana and Lisa claimed that they felt uncomfortable in the dark house. But it wasn't until 1978, when younger brothers Roger Jr. and James were born, that the family began seeing what they believed was a non-human entity. One night after experiencing inexplicable shaking in and around her bed, Lana saw a wet man standing outside her window. Upon closer inspection, she believed that it wasn't a man at all, but a creature. To make things worse for the family, A local rumor suggested that a woman had been murdered in the house. As recounted in an episode of Paranormal Witness, the Brocks were subjected to numerous assaults by what they believed was a demon, because Roger Brock was a Baptist minister. At one point, after answering a knock on her bedroom door, Lana had her mouth covered by an invisible hand. As much as she tried to scream, the hand stopped her. Luckily, The family dog distracted the demon, thereby allowing Lana to scream as revenge. The demon killed the dog by throwing it through a window. Today, Lana runs a blog dedicated to investigating the paranormal. As for the house, Lana claims a serial arsonist burned it down. Despite its reputation as one of America's most haunted houses, The Sally House in Atchison, Kansas, looks like any other middle-class home. Located at 508 North 2nd Street, the Sally House was built in the 19th century and got its name from a ghost girl named Sally. In 1992, the case of the Sally House made national news, thanks to the Sightings television program. While an episode of the show was being filmed, the home's residents, Tony and Deborah Pickman, showed suspicious scratch marks on their bodies. Members of the television crew were similarly bumped, bruised and scratched. According to Tony and Deborah, these serious supernatural assaults began after the birth of their child. From then on, Tony and Deborah suffered cuts and physical pains caused by unseen assailants. Anyone who comes into the house has been similarly assaulted. Other stories claim that full-body apparitions, floating objects, and inexplicable noises such as animal sounds were experienced by members of the household and their friends. To investigate these mysterious occurrences, the Pickman family frequently invited paranormal investigators and psychics to their home, some of whom used Ouija boards to try to contact the house's spirits. Disturbingly, Tony and Deborah came to believe that Sally the house's most active ghost, was somehow a magnet for a much darker entity. In particular, Sally may have been the portal that allowed a demon or several demons to come into the home. One of these demons has been called a harpy due to its predilection for physical violence and its certain interest in Tony and Deborah's child. Tony and Deborah left the house in 1994, but they maintain a website dedicated to their experiences. I hope this is as close to hell as I'll ever get. That was Lorraine Warren. And you know what we're getting ready to talk about, 112 Ocean Avenue, quite possibly the most famous haunting in the world. In the New York village of Amityville sits arguably the most infamous murder scene house to ever have stood. The Amityville Horror House has been the subject of over 20 movies and a number of different books and documentaries. On November 13, 1974, the property at 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, New York, was the scene of a gruesome mass murder, a murder in which six members of the same family were all shot dead while they slept. According to deeds and information compiled by the Amityville Historical Society, the Ocean Avenue property had once been farmland belonging to the Ireland's one of the Amityville's most prominent and influential families of the time. It was January 14th, 1924. Annie Ireland sold the property to John and Catherine Moynihan. The following year, Amityville builder Jesse Purdy constructed the five-bedroom, three-bathroom Dutch colonial house that still stands today. When John and Kathy Moynihan died, their daughter, Eileen Fitzgerald moved in with her own family. She lived there until October 17, 1960, when John and Mary Riley bought the house. Because of marital problems, the Rileys divorced and sold the house to the DeFeo's on June 28, 1965. Well, at first everything was great. The DeFeo's lived in the house for more than nine years until the murders took place on that fateful November day in 1974. After the DeFeos, about a year later, George and Kathy Lutz moved into the property, and 28 days later, ran, leaving practically everything behind. Their stay was so short that they did not even make a payment on the $60,000 mortgage. August 30th, 1976, the Lutz family returned the house to Columbia Savings and Loan. It was on March 18th, 1977, that Jim And Barbara Cromarty purchased the home from the bank. Although plagued by hordes of tourists searching for supernatural phenomena, the Cromartys managed to live there for a decade. It was August 17, 1987, when Peter and Jean O'Neill purchased the house from the Cromartys. Now, they made some big changes to the design of the house, including getting rid of those creepy windows, and they filled in the swimming pool. On June 10, 1997, Brian Wilson bought the home, for about $310,000, and even more changes were made to the house, including a sunroom at the back of the house. It was sold again in 2017 for $605,000. You see, up until the murders in 1974, the house had no major history and was your typical Amityville home. Beautiful, quaint, quiet, peaceful, and in a great neighborhood. But at around 6.30 p.m. on the evening of November 13, 1974, Ron DeFeo Jr. walked into Henry's Bar in Amityville, Long Island and declared, You gotta help me. I think my mother and father are shot. DeFeo Jr. and a small group of people went to the house at 112 Ocean Avenue, which was located close to the bar and found that DeFeo's parents were, in fact, dead. One of the group, DeFeo's friend Joe Yeswood, made a call to the Suffolk County Police, who searched the house and found that six members of the same family had all been shot dead while in their beds. The victims were Ronald Jr.'s parents, Ronald DeFeo Sr., 44, and Louise DeFeo, 42, and his four siblings, Don, who was 18, Allison, 13, Mark, 12, and John Matthew, 9, all of whom had been shot dead with a 35 caliber rifle around 3 o'clock that morning. The parents were killed first, having both been shot twice, while all four children were killed with single shots. Physical evidence at the scene suggested that his mother and 13-year-old Allison were awake at the time of their deaths. All six victims were found lying face down in their beds. The six victims were later buried at St. Charles Cemetery in Farmingdale. DeFeo Jr. was then taken into police custody for his own protection after suggesting to police that the killings had been carried out by a mob hitman Louis Fellini. However, the following day he confessed to the killings, while the mob hitman Fellini had an alibi proving he was out of state at the time. He admitted that he had taken a bath and changed his clothing, also detailing where he had discarded crucial evidence such as bloodstained clothes and the marlin rifle and cartridges that he had used to carry out the killings. After the killings, well, he went to work as if nothing had ever happened. The trial of Rano DeFeo Jr. was a national phenomenon. It started on October 14, 75. His defense lawyer, William Weber, mounted an affirmative defense of insanity. DeFeo, claiming that he killed his family in self-defense because he heard their voices plotting against him. The insanity plea was supported by the psychiatrist for the defense, Dr. Daniel Schwartz. The psychiatrist for the prosecution, Dr. Harold Zolin, maintained that Although DeFeo was an abuser of LSD and heroin, who also had an antisocial personality disorder, he was indeed aware of his actions at the time of the crime. November 21, 1975 DeFeo was found guilty of six counts of second-degree murder. The judge sentenced him to six consecutive life sentences of 25 to life. DeFeo was housed in the Sullivan Correctional Facility in Fallsburg, New York. A lot of controversy surrounded the DeFeo murders. The police investigation concluded that a suppressor had not been fitted to the rifle. This led to speculation that someone should have been woken up by the gunshots. And no gunshots had ever been heard by the neighbors. Since being convicted, DeFeo changed his story several times. In 1986, he claimed that his sister Don killed their father and then their distraught mother killed all of his siblings before he killed his mother. He stated that he took the blame because he was afraid to say anything negative about his mother to her father, Michael Bergante Sr., and his father's uncle, out of fear that they would kill him. His father's uncle was Pete DeFeo, a Cap regime in the Genovese crime family. In 1990, Ronald DeFeo Jr. filed a 440 motion, a proceeding to have his conviction vacated. In support of his motion, DeFeo asserted that Don, and an unknown assailant, who fled the house before he could get a good look at him, killed their parents and Don subsequently killed their siblings. He claimed the only person he killed was Don and that it was by accident as they struggled over the rifle. In 1977, Jay Anson's book The Amityville Horror hit the shelves. The book was based on the 28-day period during December of 1975 through January of 76 when George and Kathy Lutz and their three kids lived in the home. The Lutz family left the Amityville house claiming that they'd been terrorized by some kind of dark paranormal phenomena while living there and that the home was a real-life haunted house. In 1979, the film adaptation of the Amityville Horror was released. It became the highest-grossing independent film of all time, holding that record until 1990. Now, you know that this was followed by a ton of sequels and other movies that had no connection to the original movie other than its reference to the town of Amityville. The Lutz family stayed in the home for 28 days until they fled, leaving practically everything they owned behind, claiming the house had an evil paranormal presence in it, and George Lutz said he would never go back into the place, and he never did. Today, the Amityville Horror House sits at the same location, but with a slightly different look. Haunted? Or not? Well, we'll let you decide that in all of the stories you've heard. Please subscribe to The Mountain Mysteries and share the podcast. Become a Patreon member. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com/slash The Mountain Mysteries, also on Instagram, or at www.themountainmysteriespodcast.com. I'm Chris Sloan. Stay mysterious. If you enjoy The Mountain Mysteries, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. That helps us so much. You can also help support The Mountain Mysteries by visiting our sponsors, whose links are below, or by donating at Patreon or the PayPal link shown in the notes. Patreon subscribers will receive early commercial-free episodes and more.